Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. If you have your syllabuses, take them out really quickly. Let's go ahead and just read the beginning part of this, and then we'll get into the lesson. It says, when Jesus walked on the earth, he walked with in all power and authority given to him from above. He also shared the same power with his disciples as he sent them out into the world. As children of God, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places in the spirit, far above all power of darkness and even as we walk in this earth. This is why it's important that we understand the authority and power that we have access by submitting to Christ, by submitting to Christ. Today, we're going to be talking about born with power. We have gone through the first part of the semester talking about covenants that God has established with every patriarch and every person that was integral in the entire scripture concerning our new covenant. How many of you know that the old covenant has a lot to do with the new covenant? You can't understand the new covenant without understanding the old one. So we've been going through teaching this, and and then now we're talking about what we are reborn with again. You see, the, the, the first part of your life was a natural birth. The second part is a spiritual birth. And at both births, you have a mother. At both births, you had a father. And this time around, what you're born with, through a born-again experience, you have inherently received through Jesus Christ. How many of you are glad that when God put his spirit inside of you, he just didn't put himself. He gave all of his gifts, all of his abilities, all of his character, all of his insight, his wisdom, understanding. You have the fullness of Christ inside of you. And one of those attributes is the power of God. The power of God. We believe in the power of God. Believe it or not, you believe in power too you didn't believe it, you wouldn't have turned that key and you pushed that button in your car. You wouldn't have flipped the switch. You wouldn't have turned on the hot water. We need power in our lives. We need power. And we need power in our spiritual walk. So I'm going to read you Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to slow down and we're going to teach as we always do. And we're going to break this down. And I believe when you walk out of here, you're going to walk out with understanding and your walk with God will be more empowered than it was before you came. Because knowledge is power, but understanding is everything. So we want you to understand what's being read, and we're going to help do that by reading first Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. It says this. Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If not, we have it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 says, Therefore... I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. This is the Apostle Paul praying for the church of Ephesus. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, if you slow down just for a moment, you'll understand that knowledge requires wisdom and revelation, or what I would call insight or understanding. Revelation is knowledge that's illuminated by the Spirit of God. So if you have knowledge in your life, the knowledge of the Bible, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of the Scriptures, it takes the Spirit of God to give you wisdom and highlight this to profit you to benefit you somebody say you need the holy ghost you need the spirit of god turn to somebody and tell them you need the spirit of god see the spirit of god helps you understand and so it says it right here the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling His calling, keep this in mind. It says the hope of his calling, not just your calling, his calling for you. God has a purpose for you. But to thoroughly understand this, you have to go through and allow the Spirit of God to give you this insight. And so he goes on further and he says this. 
And what are the riches of his glory and his inheritance in the saints? You know what that means when he says inheritance? Inheritance from a heritage that's been given to you by God. That's the spirit of God. And attached with that is an unlimited resource of heaven's economy. How many of you know we're tied to a different economy? Heaven's economy in your life flows through that connection and that deposit that he put inside of you. But I love the way it says it like this in verse 19. Listen to how it describes power. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Exceeding greatness, not just power, exceeding greatness towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power as he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named that, he covered all the bases there. Everything. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head of all things. To the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him that fills all and all. Turn to someone and tell them, you're the body. You're the body of Christ. Somebody say, God bless this message. Say, Lord Jesus, feed me. Turn around to somebody and tell them I'm hungry for the word. I hope you are too. It's going to be good and you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for being here. So many things happening here at Riverside. Just so many things. I, we're so humbled and so grateful for your, you being here. We have been growing. We have been expanding our thoughts and our minds. Our theology has been tested by, by, by understanding the word of God against traditional thinking and just the way that you would try to approach God through a tradition of religion or, or just being here. But we have learned over the years coming to church. It's not about learning to come to church. It's about learning how to become the church. Coming to church, I'm going to say it again. It's not about learning how to come to church and go through the motions. Coming to church is about learning how to become the church and take this home and apply it in your family and see the dynamics of the kingdom of God begin to display itself through your sincerity and consistency. The power of God falls on people's lives and works through people's lives through consistency. But... Many times we will identify power with being privileged. And that is true based on who Jesus is. But not based on just what your name is, where you come from, where you live, what you drive, how good you look today, how good you smell with all that foo-foo on and everything else. I get it. Because we can all look good. But there's only one good person in this world whose righteousness exceeds our righteousness, whose goodness exceeds our goodness. And he's got us covered by the blood. And because of the blood of Jesus, we have been given access and are able to approach God, just like we've taught you, approaching God, even the priesthood through the tabernacle. The first stage of that approach to God in the most holy place was the blood. And then the blood was carried out throughout the entire tabernacle. Well, you are the temple of God and you have the presence of God in your life. And everything, salvation begins at the cross because of the blood. But God did not intend for you and I to stop at the cross. If that was the case, then he would have ascended from Calvary to heaven. But it was much, much more than that. I want to show you this diagram really quickly and just kind of show you what I'm talking about. 
At the birth of Christ, he decided that he was going to come into our world by the birth, human birth, of a virgin, a woman who was considered by God to be at right standing with God, a lady who had kept herself and consecrated herself. And God chose that means to come in because God is a God of principle. So in order for him to enter our world, he had to come in the same way you entered it, through birth. And so he chose Mary. And then from the birth of Christ, even at his childhood, through his parents, we saw the miracle, the, the, the signs, the, the evidence of him being the chosen one, the Messiah. God protected him from, from, the, from, from the enemies and, and the devices of all the kings that were jealous of him. And, and it was a, just a miraculous act of God saying, hey, go to Egypt and go to Nashville. Well, go, I mean, you know, the whole process was like, what is going on? Have you ever been in a point in your life is like, like everything seems to be chaotic and then you feel like this is what God wants to do. Then all of a sudden God changes it and says, I want you to do this instead. There's an appointed time for everything. And God kept, kept him in Nazareth for 12 years. And then he said, now you can go. Now I'm releasing you to go back where I intended to put you. Because it's time and everything that was against you is now gone. And there you saw him at the age of 12. Confound the lawyers, the doctors, and all those that were in the temple. And then you saw him grow into this ministry where he first turns water into wine. And then he begins to go further in his life and, and he's water baptized by John the Baptist. And the heavens open up and he goes into the wilderness and he comes out with power. The scripture says he comes out with power after his baptism. And as it were, the spirit descending upon him. I want you to recognize that he didn't have to be baptized. But even John the Baptist said, listen, you need to baptize me. And Jesus said, suffer it to be so for now to fulfill and be obedient to fulfill all righteousness. We have to be obedient. In other words, it's almost as if he was saying, listen, y'all are going to have to be baptized. If y'all are baptized, I'm going to go through the motion. I was born of a virgin, came into this world by natural birth, and so into this next realm, I'm going to be spirit baptized. I'm also going to be water baptized, just as you are going to have to be water baptized too. This was all symbolic. He did everything as an example because he required us to do it. He is such a good teacher. He showed us by example what we should do through the lives of the disciples and their recordings and all that he did. But ultimately, at the time of his crucifixion, this is when the journey began and the power that resided in him would prove itself to the nth degree, to the fullness of God's capability to prove that not even death and hell in the grave could hold him down. He already proved through ministry there was no devil that could stop him. He already proved there was no disease that was greater than God's healing power. He even proved forgiveness and forgave those that were persecuted, such as the prostitute. But now was the defining moment. Even the scripture says, it even hell knew who he was. They would not have crucified him. But it said in the scripture, and it had to be fulfilled, just as Jonah went down to the beneath the depths of the earth, that so would the Son of Man go down for three days. Now, this is a big debate in theological circles, and, and I, and I got to tell you where I actually stand on this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring something to you right now to help you understand something that I believe is relevant. Because if Jesus experienced hell on earth, why wouldn't he experience hell on, in hell? A lot of people, a lot of people may think that Jesus went down to hell, and I, I know the depiction. I've heard the depiction before. Jesus went down to hell, took some keys, I mean, well, I'm sorry, kicked the door, took the keys, and went back up. That doesn't take three days. 
I'm going to mess with you. You ready? Everything Jesus experienced that was bad was for you and I so we would be delivered from it or not have to experience it or be forgiven of it. So if it was by his stripes we are healed and there's bruises and by wounds on him we receive our peace, I believe he went down to hell and experienced it for you and I. But here's what's powerful. I mean, three days. Anybody else that's been in hell for three days, I'm sure the devil's knew this dude, ain't, he ain't going nowhere. He's going to be here. It's a place of no return. But can you imagine after three days, Jesus begins to leave and goes and ascends out of hell. I don't know about you, but if I, were, if I was a little devil, I'd be like, nombre, he was the son of God. We met. <laughs> we messed up. We messed up. We picked the wrong guy this time. <laughs> right? Messed up. And not even there, it stopped, it goes even further. And, and the scripture says that when he came out of the grave, and most people don't read this, he came out, it says everyone that was in that region had resurrected as well, walking the town. You wouldn't know what to do if you were in the town and your grandma came back to you. I told you I'd come back, Tonto. I told you I was going to come back, but you didn't listen. He didn't listen. He ascended. He was resurrected. And then he ascended into the heavens. And this is where the crown was given him as he sat on the throne, according to the book of Revelation. And there was one that sat on the throne. Now here's what I want to show you in this picture right here. When he ascended... This is when he conquered every spectrum of what we know to be the universe. He went and came into this world dominated spiritually by giving example of the kingdom of God and displaying it in power. Then he went down to hell and displayed the power of God through the resurrection. And then he transitioned from earth to heaven, giving proof that he was God. He fulfilled all space. So when he poured his spirit out, as you look in the diagram, he poured it out on the day of Pentecost. And this is what I just read you in Ephesians chapter 1. It said that he became the head. If you notice, his head is in the heavens. But if you also notice, his body, which is you and I, turn to somebody and tell them, you're the body of Christ, is in the earth. But if you notice even further, what's under the body's feet? Naturally, when you walk on the earth, the church is the body of Christ. And he said, even in a prophecy in the book of, Gener in the book of Genesis, he said that the woman's seed would bruise the head of the serpent's seeds and that there would be enmity or there would be a war between the two. But the son of man or the son of God would come and bruise. And so it goes on further. Let me just recite this again and tell you that it says right here that even with his exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe in his working power, he said that he had put him in heavenly places, but he didn't just put him there to be there. He put him there to be the head and he sent his spirit to give him a body. 
And as we walk in this earth, this is where the connection's made. The connection between the head and the body is the heart. And the heart represents the spirit. And the spirit is the candlestick of the Lord. It's when God illuminated our spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, for those of you that it's your first time here, let me just break the ice very quickly and tell you there's a lot of people around you that pray in the spirit and speak in tongues. Don't leave yet. (laughs) What makes us different here, we teach it, explain it. We take our time with it. We see more people come to God because we're not afraid to give the entirety of the word of God to explain to people salvation goes beyond the cross. Water baptism, spirit baptism is what took place at the birth of the church. God poured his spirit out on the day of Pentecost and it said that what fell upon them was tongues likened unto what? Likened unto what? Fire. That's when he lit our candle. The menorah, the middle one, was lit. And then when we grow, we become more like him through wisdom, counsel, the fear of God, power of God. And it's poured out into our life. But that's when we were illuminated and God put his spirit there. And on the same day, 3,000 souls were water baptized. This is where we begin. I want to I kind of help you understand that point number one, the new birth is a secret to walking in power. But I want to explain this to you very quickly. Pay attention. You may want to take notes right here because I'm fixing to drop some big truth bombs on you. You ready? Turn around to somebody and say, get your pen and paper out. It's better than the shortest memory, your shortest pencil. You ready? Here we go. A new birth. Do you remember when you had your first baby or your grandbaby and either your kids or your wife or yourself, the doctor, whoever it may be, they brought you the sonogram and you saw that little blob? Or even now they got a little bit more, some digital, you know, capabilities of just making it look a lot more realistic. And, And then you... And everybody else in the world, when you show it to them, has to go, oh, how precious. I got to tell you, I didn't think none of my kids looked precious in a sonogram. And when my grandbaby came, they showed me the picture of my grandbaby, who I love and adore. That did not look like something I wanted to say. That she's so beautiful. I'm like, that's, a, that's a, definitely a baby. That's definitely a baby. I don't know who it looks like yet, but that's definitely a baby. You see... What we were looking at was just the image of something that was conceived. In the process of when you come to church, here's what I want to explain to you and give you a revelation and understanding of. Remember, if Jesus came to our world through the birth of a woman, then guess what? We would have to enter his world the same way. But guess who the woman is now? The church. The virgin, washed in blood, white as snow. And guess who her husband is? Come on, somebody. Don't get scared. We taught this all year long. Jesus is the head. We are the body. So when somebody comes in and we're worshiping God in this body and we begin to lift our hands and lift our praise, and guess what happens? The Spirit of God overshadows this body. And guess what also happens? Hearts get convicted. People feel the presence of God. They feel the goodness of God. And that's what leads them to repentance. And that's what causes them to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And that's when the blood is applied. And that, my friend, is conception. And this is why most people don't see the victory in their life by staying there at the cross. Once again, if it was just about the cross, Jesus would have ascended straight up into heaven right there at that moment at Calvary. It was more. 
He had to fulfill more in order for us because we would have to go through more and an assimilation process of the new birth. He had to fulfill it. And the good news is he already did the hard work. Now the easy part just requires faith and action. But the reason why, here's what happens upon conception when you come to the Lord. Now, I'm trying to help you how to walk in power. In conception, when salvation comes into your life at that moment, because salvation is a continual process. It doesn't just end at the cross. It continues. You got to walk in it got to live in it but you also have to fulfill it and God has more for you but the reason why a lot of Christians feel defeated and they keep going through the cycle of sin and they keep on falling and failing and repeating a process is because they have just been forgiven and they've been released but they lack power but yet they're still in his image you're in the image of Christ upon conception just like the baby in the mother's womb. You're in the image of Christ in the church, but you have to mature and grow. And this is why God himself through Jesus taught what was the secret to entering into the kingdom and seeing it in our life. Would you like to know? How many of you would like to know? Because there was a man that came to Jesus and began to ask him these questions because he saw power in his life. I want to read you this. Are you ready? John chapter 3. John chapter 3 verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. Recognize this. He came by night by himself like I don't want nobody to know. Very secretive and just like, I don't want nobody to know, I go to that church. (laughs) Right? I don't want anybody to know that I'm friends with that person. I don't want anybody to know. I mean, listen, until you lose the fear of men, you're never going to be the man of God he wants you to be. Period. Period. And he said to him, Rabbi, We know that you're a teacher come from God. No one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Do you see his approach? See his interest? The signs. I want to know how to work those miracles. Now, he didn't say that, but why did he ask? Right? It's like somebody coming up to you while you're eating and go, hmm, that's a good sandwich. My brothers used to go when I said, which one or what? Oh, they said, my my other brother used to go, that looks good. What? That right there. And touch it. You can have it, dude. No one does the signs, emphasis on the signs, the miracle signs and the wonders, the deliverances, the healings, all of that. No one can do it except God be with him. And listen to what Jesus said. He knew what he was asking, and so he gave him the answer. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now he's saying, listen, Nicodemus, if you want to see what you see in my life, This is a personal conversation with a man that just asked about signs and wonders. This is a guy that just tried to get about out of Jesus, the Lord. How do you do that stuff? And he's telling him. If you want to see this, you've got to be born again. Now, Nicodemus understood this and listen to what he said. How can a man be born when he is old, enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That would be awkward. Right? Ma, I need a favor. Right? Am I right, Ella? I need a favor. I mean, I know it's strange, but the Lord 
the Lord said it. <laughs> you hate that when people go, but the Lord said. <sighs> Sorry, God didn't tell you nothing. It's called eating too much chili. He got the concept. He understood it. Jesus meant what he said. He did mean what he said. Nicodemus even understand it. The problem was he was thinking of the wrong mother. The wrong mother. So he goes on even further. Now watch this. Most assuredly, Jesus said it again. Unless one is born of what? Water and the spirit. Now, some people think that water and spirit is the same thing. If it is, why isn't water capitalized and spirit is? Huh? Spirit means spirit, the spirit of God. Water means, are you ready? This is, a, this is pretty deep. I mean, uh, it may confuse you, but don't let it confuse you. Water means water. Where do we in the Christian walk come into water? Huh? That's right. Oh, no, Pastor Bobby, I'll get into the water when I did this and do That's not the same water. <laughs> to my Latinos out there, no, that's not the same water. To the believers, it's understanding that God's means of operation to enter into his place was through a new birth. And when he said water, he was emphasizing water baptism. But then when he also emphasized spirit, he was emphasizing, I'm going to explain this, spirit baptism. This is why what we teach here is that there's so much more and people that struggle in their Christian walk, we ask them a question. Have you been water baptized? And has anyone taught you about the Holy Spirit and praying in the spirit and speaking in tongues? Don't leave yet. But somebody has to talk about it. And somebody doesn't, you know, you know, people have to stop being embarrassed or fearful or ashamed about this. We have seen this past year over 100 people baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have seen many spirit baptized. And we've seen every single one of them walk in victory. Free from those old addictions. Because when they were conceived, the Spirit of God always accompanies the blood. That's why John said, the Spirit, the water, and the blood agree as one. So the Spirit agrees with the blood and is with you, but the Spirit of God is continually supposed to lead you into a born-again experience. So the initial experience of the cross is the open door of conception to tell you that God wants to mature you, grow you into his image so you can live and walk like he did. Watch this. I know some of you may have I'm fixing to put it together for you. You ready? That which is born of the flesh. Now he's talking about the new birth. And Nicodemus, he's kind of like, I don't get it. Right? I don't know. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit, capital S, is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Watch this. The wind blows where it wishes. That's the spirit. We can agree on that, right? Where it wishes. In other words, you can't tell God where to go, where not to go. He's God. He's going to go where he wants to. He will move on people's hearts, whoever he decides to. You're not God. You can't tell anybody. You don't have God. You've only got this. You don't know where they're at in their walk with God, but he does. And the more they desire and the more you can help them understand, the deeper they can go. And then he said... The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound. We say this a hundred times a year or more. That word sound, please write it down. Go look it up at home. That word sound comes from the Greek word that means phone. It's where we get our transliteration for phone. What do you do on a phone? It means voice, tongue, language. 
and so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Okay, maybe you didn't hear me. Let me say it again. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from nor where it goes. So when somebody's born of the Spirit, it's like, where did that come from? The Spirit knows. The Spirit knows. So is only Latinos, Asians, or my Jamaican brothers and sisters. No? White people. Don't get offended. <laughs> Who? Everyone. Everyone who is born of the Spirit. Capital S. Now, you ready? Watch this. I'm going to explain it to you now. Put your thinking caps on, get focused. If repentance and the goodness of God brings repentance in a church, the spirit of God moves or wherever you're witnessing to somebody. I know men and women in my life that wherever they go, they win souls. They lead them to Jesus. They lead them to the cross and they have sown so many seeds in the world. And those seeds is accompanied, whether you like it or not, is accompanied by the Spirit of God to lead them and to guide them. Why? Because the blood is there. Go look at the tabernacle. The Spirit, the water, the blood begins to lead them. But then somebody else comes into their life that God sends because he leads them according to their hunger and he leads them to a place and they end up getting water baptized. Why? So we're in the church womb. This is the womb of the church right now. People are going to give their life to the Lord today and ask for forgiveness today. But then somebody's going to feel, I, I, I got I to gotta get water baptized, but they don't understand it. Let me help you understand this. Are you ready? Here we go. What's the first thing that happens when a baby comes out of a mother's womb? The water breaks. According to the Hebrew culture, a baby is not given a name until the baby comes out fact they couldn't name john the baptist until zechariah opened his mouth when they asked him what shall the child's name be and when the baby they did they gave the baby the name after they were born nobody said it before it was a surprising moment they held it like jesus the prophets in the old testament could not even say his name because it was a hebrew custom and culture that the baby would not be called what it was called only by one by revelation but publicly until he was born that's why the prophet said his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace but didn't name him and then the angel came and told mary and his name shall be called jesus but when John the Baptist came out, he, the Zechariah's tongue, you know the story? He was in the temple. He saw an angel. He doubted. God said, I'm going to stop your tongue from not speaking anything until the child is born so you don't mess it up. Because you probably want to name him Javier or whatever else. Xavier, Frank, Richard. His name is John. Now one, John. When you're water baptized, there's so many symbolisms for this, but let me give you the real one concerning the new birth. You're buried with Christ, but you come out breaking the water like you did naturally out of your mother's womb, and the name is given to you at that moment. This is where you bear the name of Jesus. This is why we baptize in that wonderful, miraculous, powerful, only name given among men, whereby we must be saved. My name is Robert Javier, by the way, Rivera, Jesus. All of you have the name of Jesus Christ in your life that was imparted unto you. But I also talked to my doctor, and my doctor told me, when I asked him, when does the baby, when do they know the baby has life? He said, when they hear a cry. And that's the breath of God. 
and a baby when it starts to speak is validation for breath you can't understand what a baby says you don't understand what the baby is saying because here's where the true conversion takes place the true conversion is this the heart is connected to the tongue and James said that no one can control or tame the tongue we've tamed animals we've tamed Shamu we've <laughs> we've tamed dogs everything else but no one can tame the tongue why because no one contained what it was tied to. And Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It wasn't the tongue. No one contained the heart. But when you surrender to the Holy Ghost and give him the secret places of your life, he takes control of your heart. And there's another language that comes out that nobody taught you. You didn't read a book about it. You didn't get taught in some kind of night class. But the Spirit of God begins to move in your life and speaks through you. And you're like a baby speaking in another language that the Spirit of God has given you. Is anybody in this building understanding that this is the next dimension of walking in power, walking in authority? Now what's this? What's this? What's this? So if Jesus came into our world by, by the birth process that we had to go through, guess what? Then we have to enter his world through the same process he went through. How? The virgin birth. Because the spirit of God still overshadows the church. And conception, see, Jesus got his blood from heaven. And when you say, Lord, forgive me, where do you think you get your blood from? Trying to help somebody understand something. And you've been given a name. See, that's why you got authority. That's where authority comes in. Everybody and every believer should have authority. But you see, the power... The power of God, the connection to heaven. See, we've been given an anointing in our life that's Christ. But to grow in that anointing, you need an understanding and to walk in it. We have anointing, a saving grace that we walk in. That we have a relationship with God. But here's where power comes in. That's a limited power that only you and I could walk in through the spirit baptism. The power to get delivered from addiction, from sin, from pornography, from alcohol, from drugs, from speeding tickets. <laughs> Got to put everybody in there. And then... When you found your purpose in the assignment, whether it be sickness, disease, whatever it may be, demonic possession, can I tell you, in this church, we have seen stage four cancer healed. We have seen broken bones put together. We have seen demonic possession People find freedom, and we've cast them out. And the authority of the name of Jesus under the power and the anointing, because devils do not respond to your charisma. Devils respond to power and authority in the name of Jesus. We have seen it all. I went to Oklahoma. I told you all about this. Went to Oklahoma. A man walked up to me. Couldn't lift his hands up. He was like right here. And I didn't understand it. And he said, I have a spirit of fear. I can't get free from it. I didn't say nothing. I just said in Jesus' name. And when I did that, this man went like this. And that man started speaking in tongues. And he stopped for a little bit, and he, said, he was drunk, and he said, what just happened to me? What just happened? It's like your aunt and uncle, right? He, what just happened to me? He didn't know what took place. He was like, what happened? And I was like, what are you, how do you feel, man? How do you feel? He goes, he said, I don't think you understand. I just had surgery on both my shoulders, and I couldn't lift them up. But when you prayed... And he said, and I don't know what just happened, but whatever I had is gone. I feel great. I feel wonderful. Do you have to have a degree in theology? Nope. You have to have authority 
and know your identity and you have to carry power because the power of God flows through you. Where is God taking this church? God has taken this church to a place of maturity. We're not the only people that can pray for the sick. We're not the only people that can cast out demons and pray deliverance. We're not the only people up here. This microphone doesn't have privileges or, or, or magical powers. This microphone means nothing to us. It is nothing. You don't want this in your hand because it comes with a lot of responsibility and accountability and everything else. But I tell you what you're required to have. When you get to heaven, God's not going to say to you, oh, you preach good. I'm so proud of you. I mean, you're so good. You're so, no, it's not what he's going to say. First of all, did you know him? Secondly, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not preacher, teacher, giver, businessman. Not servant. And when you have a servant's heart, it's because the greatest of all lives in your spirit and looks for opportunity to help and to bless somebody. You want to know what it takes to operate in the supernatural? It takes a love for God and a love for people and an understanding that you know who you are. You've been born again of the water and of the spirit. You're saved by the blood of Jesus, but you're filled with the power of God in your life. And when you and I begin to walk in that identity, it's a deeper understanding. Come on, Haley. Here are the two words in that, and i got to close. Here are the two words. Service is about to start the next one. Lord, help me. Somebody say, Lord, help this man. Help this man. See, I want to show you the two words in John chapter 3. This is the definition in the Greek, and here's what I want to give you an understanding of. He said, if you want to see the kingdom in your life, if you want to enter this place of domain and dominion, here are the two words he said. If you want to see it, see means... To see with the mind. To perceive. Become acquainted by experience. It's not good enough just to hear it from mom, dad. You have to know him for yourself. I had my little nephew with me last night. He stayed the night with us. Little Clyde. He's right over there. I told Clyde prayer time tonight buddy every night we pray let's go in the living room and out of his little mouth I'm going to tell you just like a child we all need to be like a child he just start walking around and start saying Lord, just out loud walking around in the dark Lord Jesus we're so proud of you we love you we need you we can't do nothing without you I started weeping. If you don't become like a child and start seeing God and desiring him and say to him, I want my own experience, you won't be able to comprehend to see it for yourself. You have to stop preaching to your kids. Stop preaching to your family. Show them by the love of God and show them that God is who he is by the goodness of God and by the anointing that's in your life when you walk with him because God will walk with you. And the other word is enter. And listen to this. If you want to enter into this place of dominion and being born of the water and the spirit, listen to what the word enter means. It's, It's literally the word that means into a house or city or possession of a body of a person. Or like food that enters into the eater's mouth. Consume. You have to allow the Spirit of God to come in fully into your life. See, the word possession has been ruined by Hollywood and all the other cultures of everything else. But I'm going to tell you, my prayer today is God possess me. Holy Ghost possess me. It's like that sign at Halloween. Ain't no ghost in here but the Holy Ghost. Right? You ever seen that? I I don't have it in my house, but I think it's a cool sign. The Spirit of God has to be given permission to come in. You have to, don't be afraid of it. First of all, people already know you're weird. Might as well prove them right. You know, they, they know where you go to church. Might as well prove them right there too. Get the bumper sticker. Get the whole thing. Get the shirt. Get the merch. It's all right. They already know. 
They, they know you don't like to do certain things. They know you're different. You might as well live up to your reputation and lose the old one. Is there anybody here that wants to go deeper? If you want to walk in power, we would love to baptize you. If you've never been water baptized, we can sign up at the Connection Center, sign up on our app or online. But here's what we're we're going to do right now as you stand to your feet just for a brief moment, five minutes. That's all we're going to do. On this side, we have pastors that are going to pray with you if you desire to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you understand it, want to experience it, come on this side. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you've never repented of your sins, we want you to come to this side right here. We're going to have pastors and prayer partners on this side to pray for you. If you need healing and deliverance from something in your life, we're going to be right here in the middle and we'll pray with you. This is for real. God is real. The kingdom of God has come and God wants you to walk in authority. You were born with power. Now you've got to let it out and walk it out. How many of you are thankful for the name of Jesus? How many of you are thankful for the Spirit of Christ? How many of you want to go deeper and understand that this is a process of being consistent with God? Anybody can be used in the gifts, in the power of God by the name of Jesus Christ, covered by the blood. You have His Spirit working in your life at every stage of your life. But if you want to be filled, see, here's what happens. At repentance, you have God. At water baptism, you have God. At spirit baptism, God has you. Let me say it again. I've never denied anybody's walk with God. We believe everybody has a spirit of God and everybody's been obedient to the word of God. But if you want power in your life, it's when God has to have you fully. Every day. Every day. How about we go deeper? How about we go beyond tradition? How about we go beyond the norm? How, I mean, is anybody tired of just going through the same routine? Mondays come around, it's like, okay, I'm gonna try to get my prayer in. But what if you had power to overcome sleepiness, power to overcome slothfulness, power to overcome the fear and the procrastination and all these things? It takes that kind of power, believe it or not, to walk with God, to bring consistency because God puts the desire in your heart. Is there anybody that wants more? Come on down. Let's lift up our hands right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now. Anybody desire to be baptized in the Spirit, come down right here with Dr. Al. Right now. You want to give your life to the Lord and you want to repent of your sins, they're going to walk you through right here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's lift up our hands. Let's dip up our hands. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.